You're going to love this. Just love it. Says you. Clowns on the left, clowns on the right. Glad to be stuck here in the middle with you once again. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Broadcasting this afternoon on uh, 90.7 FM Los Angeles, Pacifica Radio out here in sweltering Los Angeles, 91.7 FM KYAQ along the Oregon Central Coast, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe, now five days a week at kpfk.org, on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on iTunes, on Progressive Voices, Netroots, Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, RadioOrNot.com, and Radio Sputnik. That's right, five days a week. Plenty of broadcast for everyone, including for me. Glad you could join us. we got a big, big show uh, today. Uh, Bernie Sanders now makes it official. The independent from Vermont is becoming a Democrat to try to win the Democratic nomination for the uh, president of the United States. That's kind of cool. We'll talk about that in a, in a moment. Congressman Alan Grayson, Democrat from Florida, he will be joining us here live to to uh, to discuss uh, Bernie Sanders getting into the race and much, much more. And I'll even ask him if he'd uh, like to be the first Democratic official to endorse Bernie Sanders. That's going to be a tough ask. Yeah, we'll see what he has uh, to say about that. Okay, we'll see. Um, Also, that was, of course, Desi Doyen, our producer and my co-host of the nationally syndicated Green News Report. She will be joining us a bit later for our latest Green News Report, uh, which covers Bernie's climate position. Yes. Don't give it away. Sorry. And uh, so we'll talk about that in the GNR uh, a little bit later and the fact that one out of every four Americans breathes dirty air. And we're out here in Los Angeles, so... I think we are at least uh, two of four in that case, uh, breathing dirty air. Uh, and uh, and the Pope versus Heartland Institute. We've been covering these clowns from the right-wing fossil fuel-funded uh, Heartland Institute. They are climate change deniers. They announced that they were going to the uh, to the Vatican, right? To, yeah. To, to try to talk the Pope out of believing in global warming. Was Pretty that much. The, that, that, that's a good summary of it. We'll have more on that later. Because <laughs> as he uh, is planning, he's going to release what you call, Desi Doyen, a big papal paper. Yes, that's, on, that's my version of an encyclical. Papal yeah. paper. All right. Uh, on, on global warming. So we'll have uh, that in the GNR a little bit later. Uh, and much, much more. But first, some breaking news right now out of Baltimore as we go to air today um, concerning the pre- preliminary findings uh, 
And uh, this is sourced from the local ABC affiliate in Baltimore, WJLA. It is still pretty thin when we go to air here as far as uh, sourcing for this report. But as, uh, you know, not just Baltimore, but the entire country has been trying to figure out what the hell went on uh, in the death of Freddie Gray when he was uh, in police custody, when... It was found later that his spine had been severed, his voice box had been crushed after he was arrested and thrown into a police van. Uh, now, the police investigation, which has been completely silent, which has said absolutely nothing up till now, nothing really has leaked out. This police report was supposed to go to the prosecutor's office. Well, some information has now leaked out, apparently, to ABC7 in Baltimore. And here's what they say. An investigation into the death of Baltimore resident Freddie Gray has found no evidence that his fatal injuries were caused during the videotaped arrest and interaction with police officers, according to multiple law enforcement sources. So this comes from the police. And we've seen this before in cases like this where uh, the police likes to put out their side of the story first. And it may be an accurate story or not. We don't know. But this is what uh, ABC7 in Baltimore is reporting. The sources spoke to ABC7 after being briefed on the findings of a police report turned over to the prosecutors on Thursday, as well as preliminary findings made by the medical examiner's office. Sources said the medical examiner found Gray's catastrophic injury was caused when he slammed into the back of the police transport van. Apparently, breaking his neck. A head injury he sustained matches a bolt in the back of the van. Details surrounding exactly what caused Gray to slam into the back of the van was unclear. The officer driving the van has yet to give a statement to authorities. It's also unclear whether Gray's head injury was voluntary. Vol I don't even understand this. A head injury was voluntary or was result of some other action. Don't know how he would have a voluntary head. I guess if he was protesting and banging and trying to his make head it, on the yeah, trying to make it look like he had been uh, uh, the victim of brutality, or uh, as a case of it. a protest, uh, you know, trying to get out of the van. Interesting that they dropped that little piece in there. Again, that comes from law unidentified law enforcement sources at ABC Seven in uh, in Baltimore. Uh, you know, there's this, uh, what is it called, rough ride, this uh, police tactic that is used uh, apparently uh, around the country. Uh, I don't know if it's the case in Baltimore where you know, they throw people into a, a van unharnessed, un unshackled, no, no seatbelts, in other words. Yet they are uh, shackled. They've got uh, handcuffs and so forth on so they can't even keep themselves steady. And the police come to a, an abrupt stop at the corner to try to slam them in. Uh, to the side of the van, uh, a way to sort of, uh, you know, shake them up without actually physically having to punch them out or whatever it is. Unclear if that happened here. We don't know. Um, I suspect this story will continue to unfold. Uh, thankfully, it has been for the most part peaceful in Baltimore since the uh, uh, violence erupted earlier in the week. The curfew has uh, so far been in effect and has mostly been uh, minded. And also a lot of folks in the community stepping forward now to say, uh, no, stop it. Stop it with the burning of the buildings and um, keep up the peaceful protest. And there have been some very moving scenes, frankly, from those protests throughout the week as these protests have turned into a bit of a celebration.
Okay, well, uh, before I get to uh, Bernie here real quick and some of his statements today from his uh, press conference announcing that he would be seeking the Democratic nomination for president, I just want to put this out there to folks from Texas because I know y'all are real, real worried about this, uh, the impending uh, takeover of the state of, is it a republic, Des? What is that? You're from Texas. <laughs> yes, I don't, I I don't hate to, I don't want to out you on air. <laughs> That's all right. Too late. But you're from Texas. Yes, yes, uh, I am. Is it, a, is it a republic? Is it as a state? Is it a commonwealth? What the hell is Texas? Uh, Texas is a state. It was right. once a republic, the yeah. Republic of Texas, for right. just two years. Uh, okay. it, you know, it gained its independence from Mexico, and then two years later applied and asked the United States if we could be a part of it. So that's how that came about. Since 1838, and Texas we've been has regretting been a state. It. We've been regretting it ever since. Oh, I would Let disagree. Just Remember, Texas was not as red as it was. That's no, a know. recent addition. That's that true. only happened like 1980, 85, yeah. and that's about when the tide turned. All right, well, and it has turned, and it's gone crazy down there as far as uh, this new governor, uh, Greg Abbott, who had been the attorney general, Republican Greg Abbott. Uh, he's now worried, you've seen this story, Des, he's worried that the U.S. is going to take over Texas. Uh, and he, he, the, apparently they're planning some military exercises. Special forces are going to be working out uh, something in Texas on private property. And Greg Abbott is alarmed, and he's going to have state guard monitoring those training exercises uh, to ensure that Texans, quote, safety, constitutional rights, private property rights, and civil liberties will not be infringed. Well, yes. Well, he's worried, you know, because the U.S. is tyrannical and wants to take over one of its own states. Uh, Josh Ernest, the White House press secretary, was asked about this this afternoon. He said, <clears throat> quote, I have no idea what he's thinking. I think what is clear is that I feel confident in expressing to you without having a lot of detailed knowledge of the particular exercise is that the civil liberties and constitutional rights of American citizens will be in no way affected by this exercise, says Josh Ernest, White House spokesperson, if you believe him, covering for the administration. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Be care <laughs> no, be careful, Texas. They're coming for you. <clears throat> they don't like you for some reason. Barack Obama is coming. Remember those FEMA camps? Oh, yes, the that's, FEMA camps. Yeah, that's what they're for. It's more like a fever swamp down there in right. Texas. But, you know, this... These, buckle up, Lone Star State. These yes. uh, military exercises, they're done all over the country. It's a fairly standard operation where uh, they want to give special operations forces training in unfamiliar territory. So they go to a place that's unfamiliar to them that they've never been. And they coordinate with, you know, the state and local authorities and a private property owner so they can drop them in there and then they have to adapt to that. So that's all it is. And they've Says, assured residents that there's not going to be any problem yeah. with this. This is totally normal. We do this yeah. all the time. Says an administration apparatchik apologist like you, Desi Doyen. That's and, why you're coming on air and telling everyone there's nothing to worry about. There is something to worry about. And if you don't have your survival seeds, gold, uh, guns... Gays? No, that's a whole different thing. But whatever it is, the survival seeds and the guns of gays, go get that because the U.S. government is coming for Texas. Uh, although the White House says they're not, if you believe them. All right. Uh, you've been warned. I, we, we need to go find Glenn Beck. He's got the survival seeds. You're going to need them. I'm sure he's all over <clears> it. U.S. out of Texas says, you know what? 
I think this is the last straw. If it's up to me, I think Texas right now needs to secede from the union. I'm just throwing that out there. Texas, I think you should secede from the union. And by the way, once you do, then we will finally finish building that fence and make sure that you foreigners in Texas don't be coming in here to the United States. Okay? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, very quickly, uh, let's play a little bit of this. Bernie Sanders, his press conference. We'll get into some of the issues that he covered uh, in his press conference and because I want to ask Alan Grayson about them. So I'm going to hold that for after the break. But uh, before the break here, uh, so Bernie made his announcement, Senator Bernie Sanders, that he's going to run for president. Uh, at least he's going to run for the nomination in the Democratic Party. And um, he was asked by a reporter whether, you know, this is really just to raise issues and perhaps, you know, move someone else in the race, perhaps in one direction or another, like. Uh, that woman who's running on the Democratic side, sort of blonde woman. No, that's not Harry. Uh, Hil Hillary. Hillary. Ah, yes. Hillary something. Uh, so is, is this really meant, you know, just to raise these issues in the campaign and, and move Hillary in one uh, in one direction? Here was Bernie Sanders' response. He says he's in it to win it. It's more important to you to get these ideas out than to contest the Democratic. Oh, no, not at all. No, we're in this race to win. But it's not a question, but you got to understand, I, I ask people to understand my history. You are looking at a guy, undisputably, who has the most unusual political history of anybody in the United States Congress. <laughs> I have run, it's not only that I'm the longest serving independent in the history of the Congress, I've run for statewide office, I got 1% of the vote. I don't know if I should be proud of that, but my last election I got 71% of the vote. The point is, that's not the right question. The question is, if you raise the issues that are on the hearts and minds of the American people, if you try to put together a movement which says we have got to stand together as a people and say that this capital, this beautiful capital, our country belongs to all of us and not the billionaire class, that's not raising an issue. That is winning elections. That's where the American people are. And that's where Bernie seems to be different from Hillary Clinton, who of late has been saying all of the right things. Uh, as far as the words, you know, she gave a, a speech on prison reform this week. She talked about uh, Baltimore. She talked about economic inequality. Basically, all of the things that folks like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren uh, have been talking about. And I'm glad to hear Hillary talking about the right issues. But the question remains, does she actually mean it? Is she just saying these things to sort of, uh, uh, you know, lock out uh, Bernie and Elizabeth and other progressives, Martin O'Malley, uh, former governor of Maryland, uh, who, who is who will be running. Has he announced? He has not announced officially. No, yet. I don't think okay. he's announced officially. Um, and I guess the question here. Is, no, you know, you don't have to mean it. You know, you can run on the uh, on the right, the correct side of a particular issue just because you need to please your constituents. And if you push for that thing, great. Uh, but I think, you know, the, the, the country, I don't want to speak for the country, but I'm going to. I'm going to speak for everyone in the country right now to say that I think the country is kind of tired of politicians saying the right thing. And that's why, uh, you know, as opposed to meaning it. And that's why I think uh, Elizabeth Warren, when people hear her talk, people are so passionate behind what she says. Uh, they're very passionate. A lot of people are very passionate behind Bernie Sanders uh, for that same reason. I believe he means it. I believe Elizabeth Warren means it. I'm not sure Hillary Clinton actually means it. And so she's going to have to convince a lot of people about that. Uh, we do have a mess on our hands uh, politically, 
financially when it comes to our uh, uh, our corrupt election system, to be specific. Bernie Sanders talked about that. We're going to take a quick break here and come back with some of that. And Congressman Alan Grayson will be joining us uh, for the very first time on the broadcast. Don't know how that uh, how we've gone so long without having him here. Um, so all of that and more and the Green News Report and whatever else comes across our desk. I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to the Bradcast. Stay tuned. Welcome back to your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Glad you could uh, join us. We will be speaking very shortly with Congressman Alan Grayson of Florida, who is, I think, in many, many ways, simpatico with uh, Congressman, with Senator Bernie Sanders, independent of Vermont, uh, turning a Democrat. Uh, many ways uh, simpatico with him, I think, on a whole bunch of issues. So I'm, I'm uh, keenly looking forward to what the congressman has to say about Bernie getting into the race. Uh, here is uh, Senator Sanders at his press conference this afternoon talking about uh, why he's running, what the issues are that concern him about the United States and what he hopes to bring to this race. Let me just say this. Uh, this country today, in my view, has more serious crises than at any time since the Great Depression of the 1930s. For most Americans, their reality is that they're working longer hours for lower wages, in inflation-adjusted income, they're earning less money than they used to years ago, despite a huge increase in technology and productivity. So all over this country, I've been talking to people, and they say, how does it happen? I'm producing more, but I'm working Longer hours for low wages. My kid can't afford to go to college. I'm having a hard time affording health care. How does that happen? While at exactly the same time, 99% of all new income generated in this country is going to the top 1%. How does it happen that the top 1% owns almost as much wealth as the bottom 90%? And my conclusion is, that that type of economics is not only immoral, it's not only wrong, it is unsustainable. It can't continue. We can't continue having a nation in which we have the highest rate of childhood poverty of any major nation on earth at the same time as we're seeing a proliferation of millionaires and billionaires. So that's the major issue. The major issue is how do we create an economy that works for all of our people rather than a small number of billionaires. And the second issue directly related is the fact that as a result of the disastrous Supreme Court decision on Citizens United, we now have a political situation where billionaires are literally able to buy elections and candidates. Let's not kid ourselves. That is the reality right now. So you got the Koch brothers and other billionaire families now prepared to spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in elections to buy the candidates of their choice, often extreme right-wing candidates. 
I'm the former chairman of the Senate Veterans Committee, and I can tell you I don't believe that the men and women who defended American democracy fought to create a situation where billionaires own the political process. That was Senator Bernie Sanders, independent of Vermont, announcing that he will be seeking the Democratic nomination for president of the United States in 2016. Uh, Correctly, I think, uh, using the word literally when he was talking about uh, billionaires, millionaires and billionaires literally buying our our elections. Most people use that word literally now to mean figuratively. But I think in this case, it's quite appropriate to say literally, because that really is what is going on since Citizens United. And so you've got this income, huge income gap, uh, income inequality. And now you've got billionaires controlling who gets into office or at least trying to control who gets into office so that we can't do anything about this income inequality, uh, these, these huge gaps that are going on. So uh, suddenly the presidential race got fun, not just funny, but actually fun and interesting. Uh, So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen here uh, now that Bernie is in the race. Okay, here to comment on Bernie Sanders, a senator with guts enough to enter the race for the Democratic nomination for president against a behemoth like Hillary Clinton and on much more is a congressman with guts, or so he tells us at his campaign website, congressmanwithguts.com. Representative Alan Grayson, the Democratic representative from the great state of Florida's 9th Congressional District. Somehow he's never been on the broadcast before. Congressman, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, thanks. I'm glad we can finally correct that oversight on my part. It's greatly appreciated, sir. Uh, all right. Well, it looks like uh, Bernie is in. I know you guys are simpatico on many issues. So, uh, Congressman, would you like to make some news here on our show today and be the first member of Congress, at least to my knowledge, to officially endorse Bernie Sanders for the 2016 Democratic presidential nomination? No, I won't be making that particular news today. Maybe I'll be making some other news on your show. I guess time will tell in the next few minutes. But <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. But I, I will tell you that I think that there there's a hunger in large sect- sectors of the Democratic Party for someone who can make a promise to in- improve the common good and, and to keep it. Uh, and, and that's I think that, that Senator Sanders' uh, uh, candidacy is a function of that. Uh, in New York, recently, mm-hmm. uh, in the mayor's race, we had one candidate who came out of nowhere, uh, was fourth or fifth in the early polls, and ended up winning the race because he made two promises. They were sound promises that people believed in, and he kept them. Uh, I'm, I'm referring to Bill de Blasio campaigning on universal pre-kindergarten mm-hmm. uh, and also on paid sick leave. Uh, two promises, two promises kept. Uh, the people of New York are happy and better for it. So that's what people are actually looking for for Democrats, not just people who have the right things in their heart or even the right things in their head, uh, but people who can actually get things done. Uh, and, and that's why Bernie Sanders is running. Do you have any sense that Hillary Clinton can get those things done as well, Congressman? I, I, I recall the Hillary Clinton who, who wrote her, her famous uh, thesis, uh, which the, the Republicans dragged out of her college records yeah. and damned her for because they said it was so liberal. Right. I remember that Hillary Clinton. I remember the, the Hillary Clinton also uh, who tried to bring us universal health care uh, before its time, tried in, way back in 1993 and 1994 to make sure that every American could see a doctor when he or she is sick. 
And I also remember the, the Hillary Clinton who was put through hell uh, by what she rightly recognized as the vast white right-wing conspiracy. That's her phrase, and a very famous one at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and who understands that uh, we, we are implacably opposed to the people who want to turn over this country to the millionaires and the billionaires and the multinational corporations. And you have to choose sides. You can't be on the side of everybody. You can either be on the side of the people or you can be on the side of the bosses, one or the other. And, uh, you know, if that's, a, if that's Hillary Clinton uh, who's running, then I think uh, people in our party will be pleased to have that sort of person as our standard bearer. And I think she's made some good points recently. I, I think her saying that, uh, for instance, uh, that we shouldn't plunge into bad new uh, so-called free trade agreements when the old ones haven't worked out is a, is a breath of fresh air to many Democrats. Uh, also, I, I think that the fact that she's identified inequality, economic inequality, uh, as an important issue that we have to grapple with is also a breath of fresh air. We've been divided too long by the so-called wedge issues that the Republicans keep coming up with one after another. And it's time we took a look uh, and, and recognized that we make our rules in the United States. We have a political process that generates a government, and that government generates laws. We make our rules, and it's up to us to make the rules that work for everybody. Uh, Congressman, I know that a big issue with you has uh, of late, uh, actually for quite a while, has been the amount of money that in in the political system, particularly since Citizens United. We had Doug Hughes on the show earlier this week. Listeners may not recognize his name, but he's the guy who flew a gyrocopter onto the Capitol grounds a week or so ago. I suspect many people may remember that. Uh, he was hoping to deliver a message about the need for campaign finance reform to every member of Congress, and what he told me was an orgy of spending. Of course, he was arrested instead, but it seems like that's what it now takes to get the media to notice this issue, and even then, they don't. So does the American public actually understand how bad this has become since the uh, since the Citizens United decision, the McCutcheon decision, and so forth? The answer is no, uh, and, and in particular, uh, we haven't found the right tools to deal with what we do know. I was in the courtroom when Citizens United was decided. I was expecting a very bad decision, and in that respect, uh, my worst fears were fulfilled. Um, sitting two seats to my left was the only other elected official who, who showed up for that decision. That was Mitch McConnell, and he was chortling through the whole thing. And believe me, the sound of Mitch McConnell chortling is as disturbing <laughs> as any sound you're ever going to hear in your life. And, and, and then afterward, I went on MSNBC that night at the, on the 8 o'clock show, and I said, if we do nothing, you can kiss this country goodbye. Well, we've done nothing. So reach your own conclusions. To show you how bad it is, and this is far worse than a gyrocopter landing on the Capitol uh, lawn, uh, in 2012, I was the only member of the House of Representatives, one out of 435, who raised most of his campaign funds from small donors. The only one, Democratic mm. or Republican. Mm. One out of 435. And you know what? In 2014, it was exactly the same. One out of 435. Everyone else is on the take. Well, Everyone else is looking for those $10,000 checks from those special interest packs. Everyone else. That's how bad it's gotten. Uh, yeah, I know, and that's my concern because, you know, we have sort of two people who are, uh, two groups who are sort of the big winners here. One, obviously, is uh, the members of Congress from both parties. 
but uh, also the media, because all of that money that is given to these uh, uh, elected uh, or to these candidates, I should say, ends up going to the media to pay for campaign ads. They're making out like bandits. They don't. The media don't really have an interest in reporting how bad this is. If the media and and the candidates uh, have an interest in really not talking about this, how or, or even doing anything about it, how is anything ever actually going to change, uh, Congressman? Well, it's, it's even worse than that. The media actually reinforces that because the only coverage you're going to hear for the next year concerning anybody's campaign is how much money did he or she raise. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. You report every three months, and the media is going to be assessed with who raised more money, and they'll never tell you where the money came from. I don't recall anybody ever reporting that most of my money came from small donors. Not even once. Not local newspapers, not national newspapers, not uh, local TV or national TV. All they do is report the dollars. Now, it turns out that it ends up being a lot of dollars. Right. Uh, in 2010, I, thanks to small donors, I raised more money than any other member of Congress. So the, all those little fish can get together and bite that big fish. But the fact is that, that to them it's all fungible because, it all, as you point out, it all ends up in their pockets. And, and the plutocrats and the oligarchs are the real winners. We, 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 are, we have taken the law in this country, the law that we're supposed to determine through democratic processes, we cut it into small pieces, and we sell it off to the highest bidder. And so how does it change? That's the question, because I think people are looking for a trajectory for a solution here. And I know people have talked about constitutional amendments. But again, if you need, uh, you know, the, the, the elected officials and the media on your side to even get a, a constitutional amendment passed, which is a tall order. I mean, where does it go? Are we just stuck here now for decades in this country with this? No, the answer is no. Uh, in fact, uh, if we elect people who want to change the system, it does not require a constitutional amendment. Uh, expecting that decision, I submitted four bills right before the decision was made and four bills afterward, all of which would have been found constitutional uh, under the Supreme Court's decision in Citizens United if they had passed. Let me give you one example. Yeah. I'll give you one example. Please do. Uh, the Supreme Court acknowledges that uh, corruption is still an issue. They, they have a very demented view of what they think of as corruption. They acknowledge that corruption is an issue. They, they don't believe that you should be able to basically buy your congressman to do you favors. So that suggests, why do we allow people who hire lobbyists to go ahead and influence the outcome of elections? If they hired a lobbyist to lobby, that means they want something from the government. So I introduced a bill which would have been found constitutional if it had passed, to say you have to choose. You can either buy your congressman, or you could lobby, but not both. We call that the Pick Your Poison Act. I'll give you another example. Um, Why is it that we let the CEOs of these big companies decide which congressman they're going to try to buy and sell? Don't these companies actually belong to the shareholders? So I introduced a bill that would have required advanced shareholder approval, specifically advanced shareholder approval for each each so-called independent expenditure uh, for every political purpose. Every campaign expenditure done by a corporation would have to be authorized in advance by the shareholders. That's clearly constitutional. And unfortunately, when the Democrats did have the power before we were overwhelmed following the Citizens United decision uh, in the first election afterward, which went, which, which, and not by, not by accident, was their worst election for Democrats in 106 years mm-hmm. in the House of Representatives. We lost 63 seats, including mine. 
and then I found a way back. Right. But but in, in any event, in, in in that election, we lost the power to change things immediately. Now we have to find our way back. If we had spent the last few months of that term, when we still had the power, if we'd spent the last few months of that term passing bills like my Save Democracy platform, we, we set up a website called SaveDemocracy.net, got citizen co-sponsors for these eight bills. If we passed any of those bills, we'd be in better shape than we are right now. Now we have to wait until the Republicans are thoroughly discredited, the Democrats come back to power, and then and then hopefully we'll do a better job of dealing with this problem. Do, do your colleagues, your Democratic colleagues, the, uh, however, do they understand this? Are you confident if they do get a majority back in the Senate, back in the House, that they will now actually move on some of these bills? I mean, this is you know, 2010 was Citizens United, and I didn't actually uh, you know see Democrats lighten the place on fire trying to uh, do anything about it, trying to overturn it, bringing votes before the Senate and so forth when they did have control at least in in that chamber. So what makes you think the your colleagues, your Democratic colleagues, uh, actually will take action this time? I think that the Democrats were taken by surprise in 2010. As a matter of fact, four of my eight bills actually were included in a Democratic bill called the Disclose Act, which did pass the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. It was filibustered in the Senate. The Senate should have taken steps to overcome that filibuster, and they didn't. But we would have been able to make some kind of progress if the Disclose Act had passed. I don't think the Disclose Act would have been enough, though. I mean, we need the entire platform to pass to really restore the balance. And then, of course, ultimately, we do need a different decision by the Supreme Court. The Citizens United case is the only case that I'm aware of where the four dissenters said, if we get a fifth vote, we will reverse this. I can't think of any other Supreme Court case where they've said that, and they've now said that twice. They've said that twice. So all we need is one more appointment among those five, and then a new case to come up to restore sanity to campaign finance. I think that's possible. But to answer your question, I, no, I don't think we can count on the Democrats. I, I will tell you this. If Nancy Pelosi becomes Speaker of the House again, yes, we can count on her. She is deeply committed on this issue, even though, uh, let's face it, uh, she's a master fundraiser and she works extremely well. She's a winner, no matter what the system is. But I think if Nancy Pelosi were the Speaker of the House, we would make progress on this in the House. If anyone else is the Speaker of the House among Democrats, I am more concerned. Interesting. Uh, good to know. All right. Uh, in the minute or two we have left here, Congressman Grayson, um, it, it was kind of amazing. I was watching um, President Obama's comments on Baltimore at, at the uh, White uh, White House press conference with the Japanese prime minister, and he gave some interesting uh, moving remarks on Baltimore. And then the uh, Japanese uh, uh, prime minister started to speak. The translator said, on TPP, and CNN's Wolf Blitzer immediately came in, uh, literally, and said, okay, we're going to break away from that news conference now. And uh, and they went back to Baltimore. Uh, uh, TPP is another issue that it seems like the media doesn't cover. Uh, Democrats don't seem to be making enough noise about uh, I think the deal currently is completely a secret other than to corporate lobbyists and to members of Congress. Uh, Have you gotten to actually look at this trade deal uh, that you're allowed to see, but apparently uh, we aren't? Well, well, let's see. We're not allowed to discuss it. That's part of the games that the administration is playing with us and with the the American public. Uh, Because our time is limited, I want to invite all of your listeners to go to our website, Mm tradetreachery.com. That's tradetreachery.com. And take a look at the most interesting video that you're ever going to see in your entire life. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. That is the most interesting video you're ever going to see in your entire life. We have encapsulated the entire issue, not just of trade, but what's wrong with our economy. Where did we go wrong? 
And I think the root answer is our trade policies. We've seen the worst economic mismanagement in the history of the planet in the past 20 years since NAFTA went into effect. So I want to invite you and your listeners to go to tradetreachery.com and take a look, and, and you can judge for yourself. I think that we've been hoodwinked. I think that the president has bought into the Chamber of Commerce's uh, agenda in this regard. I know it's true. Uh, and thank God we have many Democrats who don't get sucked into that uh, vortex of fantasy uh, that, that somehow sending jobs overseas is a good thing for America. But, uh, like I said, I, I, I made my piece and I said my piece in this video, uh, and we've gotten a lot of attention. It, it was sent out to a million people this morning uh, who are subscribers to the, the Progressive Change uh, uh, committee uh, email list. It's mm -hmm. going to be going out to another quarter of a million people later today. Uh, and I, I, I'm hoping that it galvanizes people on this issue. Uh, it's a farce. Uh, it, it, it is the death knell for the American middle class. Uh, and unfortunately, thanks to the president and the trade representative, I can't even tell you why. But according to published reports, what it does uh, about it, according to leaks, if you will, and part of it was posted on WikiLeaks, so I guess we can talk about that part. Mm -hmm. um, what, it, what it does is very simple. Uh, it continues and extends the insane trade policies that we've seen adopted in the past uh, couple of decades to the point where now one-seventh of all the assets in the United States are foreign-owned. Did you know that? Uh, uh, $35,000 for every single man, woman, and child in this country. $11 trillion of U.S. assets are now foreign-owned. And that's because of our trade policies. When NAFTA went into effect, we actually own more foreign assets than foreigners owned U.S. assets. Now it's reversed, and it's reversed to the tune of $11 trillion. We lost 5 million manufacturing jobs, probably something like 10 or 15 million other jobs that were, that were based upon those manufacturing jobs. Uh, and, and the result of it is that America is becoming a country of cheap labor and debt slavery. D does the president just not understand this, or is well? You you said he was being hoodwinked. He called this the most progressive uh, trade deal ever. D does he believe that's a that? Lie. Well, no, that, that that's just ridiculous. And I, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate that that the president and the trade representative are. Uh, going to such enormous lengths to keep the truth away from the American people. It's funny because normally when you classify a document, when you say a document is classified secret, top secret, whatever it might be, what you're doing is you're trying to keep that away from our foreign enemies, other foreign countries. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to keep the information away from Americans. You're saying we have enemies in other countries. They might use that information against us. It might be military secrets or how to make a, a nuclear weapon or something like that. In this case, the foreign countries already have the information. They have the text of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. They know exactly what's in it. So the other countries, and in the European Union, actually put it up on the Internet. Other countries know all about it. What they're doing is they're trying to keep the American people in the dark. They're turning America into a giant mushroom farm. They keep us in the dark, and they spread fertilizer all over us. And it's only, and why? Just very quickly, why because are Because if that? the American people knew it, they would be horrified. Everybody knows that our trade policies are nuts. Everybody knows that there's been job, that we've been subsidizing jobs to go overseas now with taxpayer dollars for decades. Everybody knows that when you're running a trade deficit of a billion dollars a day, that's why you have a federal deficit. That's why you have this crazy quantitative easing that the Fed has to commit to because of trade policy. That's why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, and we have the fourth most unequal distribution of wealth in the entire world. Because what happens is the foreigners... Who, who actually sell us the goods and services, their goods and services, and we end up creating tens of millions of jobs in other countries, what happens? They take the money that we give to them. They don't buy an equal amount of our goods and services. They buy our assets. 
And who does that benefit? The people who own those assets, those are the ones who benefit, the 1%. And it doesn't create any jobs in this country. Far from it. It sucks jobs out of the country and sends them abroad. And the foreigners understand this. The Chinese have been playing us for fools now for decades. They understand how to play the game. We have people who, are, who can't even understand how to play tic-tac-toe when the Japanese, the Japanese, the Chinese, the Germans, they're playing three-dimensional chess. Mm. And, and it's very simple. It's very simple. We lose twice. We, we lose because we lose the jobs that get sent overseas, and we end up deeper and deeper and deeper in debt. And I explain this all in the video at TradeTreachery.com. Well done, sir. Thank you. A congressman with guts, uh, congressmanwithguts.com, Alan Grayson, representative of the great state of Florida's 9th district. Uh, uh, congressman, before I let you go, uh, your district includes Orlando and Kissimmee. Does that mean that you're the representative of all of the countries at Epcot Center? <laughs> That's a, I haven't gotten that question before. It's true. I do represent part of Disney World. Excellent. I will confess. And and that's why it's the happiest place on earth, because I'm their congressman. Well, smartly played, sir. Congressman Alan Grayson, really appreciate your time here. Hope we can uh, talk to you again in the future. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break here shortly and come back with more. Bra- you know, I, well, now that the, he's gone, but uh, if he represents all of those foreign nations at uh, Epcot... <laughs> Who's representing foreign nations now, Congressman Grayson? Oh. Yeah, I'm just saying. Now, one quick question yeah. I have is, have you noticed that, yeah. you know, for a long, the longest time, uh, people refer to Hillary Clinton by her first name, Hillary, and they don't refer to men, male politicians generally in that fashion. You mean not- Bernie? For example, except now we're talking about Bernie Sanders as yeah. Bernie. He's Bernie. So you know you don't hear people talking about Ted Cruz as Ted or Teddy. You don't hear about Marco or Rand. You hear about them from their last name. So I actually had thought that it was you know maybe a kind of a sexist thing in the media, but yeah. uh, we call Bernie Bernie. Now that so. we call him Bernie, now nah, it's all right. Bernie Sanders. So I, I guess I was wrong Vermont. about that. Bernie yeah, is were. the exception. Uh, and you know who else is the exception? Uh, Alan Grayson. Yes. Uh, he's really the exception. Uh, so he comes right out and says the president has been hoodwinked, hoodwinked uh, by the uh, U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And for people who don't know, I guess we're going to have to repeat this all the time. But pe- for people who don't know the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, it's, you know, it, it is the largest lobbying group in the country, perhaps, I think, in the world, really. They are not a branch of the government. They sound like a branch of the government, but they are not. They are a huge corporate right-wing outlet, uh, frankly, run by thugs, run by thugs uh, who have no compunction uh, about lying to anyone. These are the very same guys, and I'm sorry to say Desi knows this very well, uh, who who targeted me and my family. Yep. With a $12 million plot that was happily uncovered uh, when Anonymous <clears throat> hacked into their emails. Uh, actually, not into their emails, but into the emails of these uh, uh, government, uh, what do they call them? Uh, intelligence. Security, intelligence, uh, security. Contractors. Contractors, right, who, who, were, uh, who make billions of dollars from the U.S. government, but who had also been employed... By the Chamber of Commerce, they were about to sign the deal, according to these emails, when uh, these emails were finally uh, released and it put the kibosh on the whole thing. So this is not 
I realize that sounds like a conspiracy theory that, you know, the Chamber of Commerce is putting together a $12 million plot to target people like me. Uh, but this uh, people may remember this. Uh, the same uh, security contractors at the same time were putting together an almost identical plot to target Glenn Greenwald on behalf of Bank of America. And that came out. Journalist, Pulit now Pulitzer Prize winner Glenn Greenwald. Um, so the Bank of America had uh, asked this group to do that. U.S. Chamber of Commerce had asked the same group to target me and some others, people who were calling out the U.S. Chamber for what they are. So, yeah, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is a bunch of liars. Period. And they will say anything and they will do anything and they will spend anything. Of all of the lobbying uh, organizations in the country, the top spender in election after election after election, at least of those uh, groups who are filed as lobbyists, is the Chamber of Commerce. A new report came out from MapLight, I should say a new analysis of the election data that is available out there. $13,800,000 spent on lobbying by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. The next closest one was about half that. National Association of Realtors, $7 million, uh, $7.5 million. American Medical Association, $6.7 million. And then U.S. Chamber Institute for Legal Reform, $5.7 million. So uh, combine all of that, that's about, uh, what, $19 million that they spend on lobbying. That is disclosed. Lord knows how much is not disclosed. N Lord knows how much of that is dark money. That's the game they're in. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce affecting our elections, buying our elections, as Bernie Sanders uh, correctly describes it. And now trying to pull one, uh, pull the wool over America's eyes, apparently, on the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TPP. I say apparently because we don't actually know what's in it. It's a secret other than what has leaked out there to uh, Wikipedia. And uh, it, it does not appear to be in the best interests of this country, frankly, as you heard Alan Grayson talk about and uh, refer you to tradetreachery.com. Yeah, and, and the fact that he says that he's not allowed to even talk about it. Right. He has to refer to other countries reporting other leaks that have come out about it because he is barred from speaking about it. So he can't even tell his constituents what's going on with that. Right. So Obama says, oh, it's not secret at all. Congress, they can go look at exactly what's in it. Well, that's true. The Congress can. They can go look at what's in it. The American public cannot. And when Congress reads it, like Alan Grayson, you heard me ask him directly about that. He can't talk about it. He can't talk about it. What the hell kind of a democracy is this? Brad Friedman, this is your Bradcast. All right, that music can only mean one thing. <laughs> there is a Green News report upcoming as we melt with Desi Doyen uh, and our latest Green News report. Before we get to that, however, Desi, uh, some breaking news here, which sounds uh, very troubling, but coming from Fox News on my iPhone, uh, NASA's Messenger spacecraft crashes into Mercury. This is terrible. This is a disaster. What happened? Uh, who's on board? What's going on? 
explain this. <laughs> this is a dis- don't laugh. This is it's not a disaster. What? It's totally intended. Yes, they did. And watch this. They did kill the messenger. Oh, uh, very good. Yes, I know. But did so you the, just write that all by yourself? Uh, actually, I stole it from the Guardian. Oh, okay. but the same idea. However, that you know, this is the 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 Mercury messenger. <laughs> it's been orbiting Mercury for four years. This is an unprecedented, never tried before maneuver with this uh, particular satellite. It's been gathering huge amounts of data on Mercury. Uh, nearly 300,000 images, close-up images, and it's hard to really define how difficult this mission was because Mercury gets up to 800 degrees every single day, and it radiates heat. So putting a spacecraft, a mechanical spacecraft, a hunk of metal outside of it in these extremes of heat and cold was very challenging, and they gathered so much data as they crashed, and basically they want to find out, one of the things they want to find out is what happens when you create a, 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 a crater on Mars. Uh, I mean, on, on, on Mercury. Uh, Mercury. Yeah, CNN's report, uh, their their breaking news, their iPhone alert was uh, somewhat less troubling. And NASA's Messenger space probe has run out of fuel and crashed into Mercury after a nearly 11-year mission. So yes. they knew this was going to happen. They knew it was running out of fuel. Nobody was hurt. There was nobody aboard. That's right. <laughs> this mission to Mercury. That's right. Okay. Well, that's, that's good news. See, I was so disturbed when I got this. <sighs> All right. Anything else? Do we know our latest? It. Is that it? Yeah. You sure? That's it. All right. All right. Well, let's get to it then. It's our latest Green News report. Climate change is real. It's caused by human activity. Senator Bernie Sanders' climate hawk enters the 2016 presidential race. The drought isn't the only environmental issue Southern California is facing right now. Thanks to fossil fuels, California still has the nation's dirtiest air. New study finds most extreme heat waves are caused by global warming. What? Plus, Pope Francis wants the world to protect God's creation. And the right-wing Heartland Institute wants him to knock it off. All of those knockoffs and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Do members of the Republican Party believe in science? No, Bernie. They do not. Do they respect what the scientific community is telling us in climate change? No, Bernie. Are they going to learn from that? They are not. Or do they choose to be deniers? Yes, Bernie. That last choice. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyne, from my count, we now have six major candidates declaring to run for president for the 2016 election. Yep, Senator Bernie Sanders, independent of Vermont, makes it number six. He officially announced he is running for the Democratic presidential nomination in 2016 this week. But unlike the Republicans who have already announced their candidacies, Sanders is a climate hawk. Here he is recently on MSNBC. Climate change is real. It's caused by human activity. It is already, as we all know, causing devastating problems and if we don't transform our energy system away from fossil fuel, it's only going to get worse. That is not Bernie Sanders. That is what the scientific community is telling us. So if I've got this right, on the Republican side, we've got Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, and Jeb Bush, kind of, sort of, having declared their run for the nomination. Three of those Republicans are out-and-out out deniers. Jeb Bush is sounding like maybe he's not a denier. But he's still a denier because and, he doesn't believe in doing anything about it. Well, there's that. And then on the Democratic side, we have Hillary Clinton. Not a denier. And Bernie Sanders, who's an independent, but I guess he's going to become a Democrat now to run. 
Bernie Sanders, definitely not a denier. He has been actually one of the best uh, folks in Congress fighting to take climate action amidst this climate crisis. Yes, and it'll be interesting to see if he is just entering the race in order to push Hillary Clinton more to the left or if he actually is going to make it through to the nomination. Well, he says he's going to uh, he's in this thing to win it. But if he ends up pushing Hillary to be more of a climate hawk, I think that can only be a good thing. Yep. Meanwhile, the planet continues to ignore politics. A new study concludes global warming is increasing the odds of extremely hot days. It's the first study to estimate how climate change is already influencing some types of extreme weather. It finds that 75% of extremely hot days worldwide can be explained by human-caused global warming. Isn't that almost the most obvious headline ever, that hot days caused by global warming? Yes, you would think so, but this study is the first to actually prove it. More than one in four Americans live with dirty air. That's according to the American Lung Association, which released its annual State of the Air report this week. The top seven cities for worst air quality are all in California. Hey, we're number one. The dirty air is caused by what you see behind me. Freeways, not only that, major roadways, ports, and also trucking centers. These are all considered pollution hotspots. Now, it's no coincidence that pollution hotspots on the list are all areas where major industrial facilities are located. The top three most polluted are in California's oil patch around Bakersfield and Fresno and the neighborhoods near the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, which combined are one of the largest ports in the world. But the cleanest air is in Bismarck, North Dakota. Sounds nice. Some good news. The air quality is getting slightly better in Utah. The state's oldest, most polluting coal-fired power plant has finally been shut down for good. Aw, sad trombone. Of course, the owners waited to shut it down until one day before new rules limiting mercury pollution took effect because they didn't want to pay to clean up the plant's operations. So it was the EPA once again forcing a coal-fired power plant out of business. And to stop polluting the fish. Tyranny. Finally, Pope Francis hosted a climate change conference at the Vatican in Rome this week in advance of his major upcoming encyclical that will call on Catholics around the world to protect creation by protecting the environment and acting on climate change as a moral responsibility. But that was just too much for the climate science deniers at the right-wing fossil fuel-funded Heartland Institute. (laughs) Some of the big stars of the anti-science denialist club traveled to Rome to, quote, dissuade Pope Francis from lending his moral authority to the politicized and unscientific climate agenda of the United Nations. Oh, I'm sure that worked out very well. How'd it go? Uh, They were promptly escorted out of the proceedings. So once again, the Catholic Church doesn't want to hear the truth. I got it. Thank you for clarifying. For much more on that story and the other ones we had no time for today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can download our reports anytime via iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Find us and follow us on the Facebook and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. All right. Well, that wraps up another uh, uh, lively edition of the Bradcast. If you missed any portion of today's program, 
You can always download it from bradblog.com. You can get it at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or anywhere else. You don't want to miss that interview with Alan Grayson. I thought that was a really good interview, actually, um, and a fun one. So check that out. Uh, and you might as well subscribe while you're over there at iTunes. Subscribe. It's free. Then you can get it uh, every day. Sent to your mailbox, to your phone, to your iPhone, whatever it is. Uh, and while you're there, please give us a good review. It'll help other people find the broadcast as well. Okay, my thanks today to Desi Doyen, our producer, of course, my guest, Alan Grayson, congressman from Florida's 9th District, and also the mayor of uh, Epcot Center. That's something we've learned today. Coming up on tomorrow's show, by the way, I think we're going to have the guy who punked the right-wing media, who just punked them all. We'll explain tomorrow in the uh, in tomorrow's broadcast. Until then, you can find me on the Twitters as ever at the Brad Blog and of course at Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Brad.